Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 2. If you're new to the Bible, the book of Luke contains most of the traditional Christmas story. So we'll be in Luke chapter 2. My opening thought today is kind of, has kind of two opening thoughts. So it's opening thoughts. The first one is this. Uh, well, I'll begin with this. I lied to my wife. So can I live with you? Just curious. No, I'm okay. We're okay. At a time when I lied to my wife. Here was the setting. She was in the middle of giving birth to our third child, and uh, my wife was a trooper. Like, you know, this is back in the 1800s when they didn't have epidurals. Right? There was no epidural. She just was like, well, we'll just have, you know, have these. I think she had maybe a little shot, you know, not like a shot like that, like, but a, you know, like a shot thing. Anyway, and uh, with our third, things were going okay, and then it's like, the progression stalled, where you're not sure, is anything happening here? And she was trying really hard to push and, and you know, give birth to our third and all this. And I remember at some point, because there was some tension in the room, and, and she looked at me, and I was trying to coach and be helpful, and, and she, she looked at me with a sense of, maybe, I don't know, sadness or urgency or something. And she said to me, she said, is anything happening? Am I making any difference? And I paused and I looked at her and I said, absolutely, you're doing great. We're getting so close. (laughs) And then as I turned and looked away, I thought, you just lied straight to your wife's face while she was giving birth because at the time it was, no, you don't get it. I remember because, by the way, lying to my wife's not something I do regularly, but on that, in that moment, kind of lied. Here is the idea, the point, and maybe you'll agree that this is sort of a rule in life. When it comes to pregnant women, we only say positive things. <laughs> is that kind of a rule? If they ever ask, am I looking fat? No, you look amazing. Looks like you're losing weight. You're so, right? It's just kind of a rule. Uh, So that's the first idea. By the way, this idea of you only say positive things to pregnant women, it also kind of uh, uh, travels into new moms as well. They've just got a little one, right? Because no matter what that baby looks like, it's a beautiful baby, right? No matter what, you could be, right? By the way, if you don't know this rule, it's like a rule. So that was the, the first thought. And then the other thought that's kind of connected to it is a transition. It's a spiritual thought about God. God has a way of always including or telling the truth, even if it's a little awkward, if you didn't know that about him. Part of the description of who God is, is he is truth. Uh, Some examples of that. In John 4, 
Jesus is initiating a conversation with a woman. It's early in the conversation. They're not like close friends at this point. And he has told her, why don't you go and get your husband? And she says, I have no husband. And then Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five. Okay, I guess we're going to be honest. And he goes on to say, and the guy you're with now is not your husband. There's other examples in like the book of Revelation. Uh, The Holy Spirit's communicating to seven different churches. And in six of the seven churches, he shares really positive things, like all the things you're doing right. But in most of the churches, he includes just some honest truth about where they're failing. So in Revelation 2, he's talking to the church in Ephesus where he says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. In other words, way to go. But he also includes, yet I hold this against you. And he goes on to talk about whether he goes on to challenge them on kind of the depth of their love for God. So two thoughts. One, generally, we say positive things to pregnant women and new moms. Second, God is awkwardly honest with us many times. Hold that. We're in this series called Messy Christmas, and we're looking at some of the challenging moments of the Christmas story. And today, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is going to have an interaction with a prophetic man who's going to represent God. And he's not just going to say some nice things. He's going to say some challenging things to her, even though she's just a brand new mom. Uh, So Mary has uh, conceived, carried Jesus. She's given birth, the Christmas story. This is now just a couple weeks after, so she's still a new mom, and they are taking Jesus to the temple for a dedication-type ceremony. And this is where Simeon, this prophetic man, enters the picture. Verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms. He took Jesus into his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. When I picture this, this might mess up your thought process, but when I picture it, I picture him taking Jesus, kind of lifting him up with joy, What's um, Lion King, right? Where whatever, Mufasa, I don't know what their names are, but like, like he does this, like, oh, and you know, my eyes have seen you. This is cool, amazing moment when he takes Jesus and he holds him up. And all the animals come and they bow down. No, just kidding. That's Mufasa. Where are we? Simeon took him in his arm, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, 
and the glory of your people Israel. That's some amazing things. A couple more verses. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them. And here we go. Said to Mary, new mom. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And he finishes with, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There's some positive things and there's some real challenges in there. Title of the message is Simeon, a painfully honest prophet. And we're going to look at a couple of the challenging thoughts that he brings to Mary. So how does this uh, connect to us? Of course, we're not the mother of Jesus Christ, but we're, we're children of God. And some of the things that Simeon says about Jesus will relate to us because we're related to Jesus. She's, he's going to say some stuff about Jesus that I think will help us navigate uh, well our spiritual life. So let me pray and I'll give you some things to think about. Um, Father, I've got some things that I hope will be helpful, but uh, we really need you to be the teacher in the room. If you're not here speaking, kind of whispering in our ears, applicable things, then this won't be any good. So we just confess our need for you to be the teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, two ideas that Simeon shares with Mary. The first one is, Simeon told Mary, not everyone will like your son. If you've got the handout when you came in, you can fill that in or if you're using the app. Not everyone will like your son. That's my interpretation from verse 24 where Simeon says, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And here we go, and to be a sign that will be spoken against. In other words, there's going to be opposition to this, your little baby here. If you want to bring it into today's terms, it's not far off to imagine Simeon holding Jesus and maybe giving him back to Mary and saying, by the way, your son's going to get bullied. That, that, just so you know, that's in the future. Now, by the way, if you're a parent... I don't want to hear that. Wouldn't that be horrible? Oh, he's so precious. By the way, he's going to get bullied. Doesn't that feel bad? I know for me as a parent, my kids uh, didn't experience a lot of those kind of things. I still remember one moment where my son kind of had to deal with a, a peer that was kind of a booger, and uh, I don't know that it would have qualified for you know be, being bullied. But um, and I remember as a dad. Wanting to get really involved in those, amen, dads, you know, I, uh-huh, felt worse than that. I was like, wait, whoa, so my, what's he, I, does that, no, dads don't get it? Do you get that? Moms, do you get, nobody when you get your kid wants to hear, oh, he's going to be, going to be bullied. But the reality, of course, of Jesus is there were going to be times when Mary was going to see uh, really uh, aggressive, the, the really aggressive nature and evil 
angry nature of the world toward her son, Jesus. This word spoken against means that plus to contradict, oppose, especially in a hostile or argumentative way. So here's something you can write down. The mother of God had to deal with an aggressive world. Toward her son. And like a seriously ugly, aggressive world. We know now, she didn't know at the time, but we know now that, you know, that included the groups of soldiers beating him, hitting him with a staff in the head. It included her uh, being around in the story when he was uh, whipped 39 times, when they nailed her son to the cross. If you read the crucifixion story, regular, fairly regularly you'll get glimpses that Mary was there the whole time. So here's a question. Why would, why would God have Simeon tell her about this ugly part of the future? And here's my theory. God had Simeon tell her that so that when the difficulty came, she wouldn't lose her faith. Does that make sense? Anybody? Sort of? Just one person. Act like you're paying attention in church. Thank you. I appreciate that. Can we give her a cup of coffee just for being nice? Does that mean? Right, because it's actually helpful because if you're Mary and you're watching your son die, it's going to be helpful to know we are in the middle of the will of God. God has told me that there's going to be this kind of thing. Otherwise, it'd be easy to give up and go, this is too hard. Something must be wrong. There was nothing wrong. Well, there was stuff wrong with humanity. There was nothing wrong. In fact, the perfect plan of God was happening for the salvation of people. Just aside here, Jesus was and is upfront with his followers that there will be hard times. I'm so glad he's honest about it. In John 16... Jesus says to his disciples, in this world, you will have trouble. In John 21, he's challenging Peter, who is a great disciple, but he went through some messes, didn't do a great job at following Jesus for this little season in his life. And so now Jesus is telling, he's basically challenging Peter, do you really love me? And Peter is getting to say, yes, he's recommitting, yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. I'm committed to you, Jesus. And at the end of the conversation, it says, Jesus says to Peter, truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and, and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. When you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And the Bible tells us what's Jesus talking about here. It says Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death that 
by which Peter would glorify God. He's, Jesus is telling Peter, at the end of your life, they're going to crucify you like they crucified me. And if you don't know that story, that's what happened. Historically, that's what happened to Peter. So why would you tell Peter that? So that when Peter gets to that point in his life, he can know I'm in the middle of God's will. Jesus told me that this would happen to me. And by the way, Peter embraces martyrdom with courage. He actually, instead of being crucified upright like Jesus was, he told the crucifiers, he said, I want to be crucified upside down because I don't want to even begin to think I should be as lifted up in the same way that the Lord was. It's a fun Christmas talk so far, isn't it? Isn't this just so much fun? Did I, did, I, did I miss a fill in the blank? The mother of God had to deal with an aggressive world. Did I, did I tell you that? Thanks. That's kind of the point of this first point. So to just challenge us, there's a question that will come up on the screen. Am I ready for spiritual opposition? I hope we are. whether it's verbal or spiritual or physical opposition. The reality of following Jesus, by the way, it's always been this way, but there are seasons, depending on where you live, where the chances of threats or opposition increase. So the reality, even of our world right now, if you live out your faith, uh, chances are there could be somebody over the Christmas season, maybe it'll be a family member, they'll be mean to you because they know you're a Christian. Like, you'll want to pray before the meal, or you'll want to, and they'll be, right? They'll say, no, does this not happen? There's opposition to people who are committed to following Jesus. Very real sense. I don't think this would have been the case 20 years ago, but over the next five years, uh, here at the Vineyard Church, there could be somebody who would... we we could I could you guys might be fine. Well, I could get in legal trouble. I can imagine this legal trouble for just preaching this book and not skipping parts about certain sins. Right? They could call me. They could put it, make it a hate crime, or this is just reality we're living in. Maybe someone might you know bully you ish, say things about you because you're committed to Christ, and they'll call you a name, a bigot, or a hate. Right? And that doesn't mean we're, we love people, so we keep sharing the truth. And I'm, we're just going to share what God says in this. Does that make sense? Like, this stuff can really happen. By the way, and it's been happening around the world in different seasons, different times since Jesus was here. So are we ready to keep following Jesus even if there's pressure against. I hope the answer is yes. I hope we remember this Bible verse in Matthew chapter 5 verse 11. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Jesus is teaching here. He says rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Uh, Just a little side note. If you're just here, like checking out what it would be to be a follower of Jesus, and you're hearing 
maybe I shouldn't do that because it could be hard. No, maybe you should do that because it could be hard. But can I, can I also just say, all of life is hard. <laughs> Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, or a fo- not a follower of Jesus, life gets hard. How many of you know virtually all of us end up with different people that we could label boogerheads in our life? Right? They're the ones who don't like you because of this, or they resist you because of this, or they're going to... That's just the reality of life. In Christ, we have an eternal purpose. We know that potentially that brings treasures in heaven. In Christ, we have someone who comes with us when we are facing challenging times. The Lord of the universe is there with us. I would always rather endure the challenges of following Jesus than the challenges that are come that come in life, whether we're following him or not, and have to do that alone. There, that was something, a little side thing there for you. Second point. What was the first one? Simeon told Mary, not everyone will like your son. The second one is, Simeon told Mary, your life will include some deep emotions. I don't know if that's the best way to put it. But deep emotions. We're going to get to the point in the verse where Simeon says, and a sword will pierce your soul. Before we get there, here's a question. Have you ever had something affect your soul? Pause and think. Has you ever felt something so deeply that like, wait a minute, that affects my soul? A couple of examples, maybe just one from my life. It was probably nine years ago-ish. I had a dream. By the way, I'm a a dreamer. Most of my dreams are really stupid dreams that mean nothing. Uh, I've had some dumb, dumb dreams. You want to know a dumb one just for fun? Anybody know there's an old uh, entertainer named Cher? That was it. It just names Cher. I shot her once in a dream. I don't even know why. It's like, hey, look at Cher. Okay. So I woke up and I was exploring with the Lord. Like, Lord, what did that mean? No, I didn't even. I'm like, that was, I must have had pizza before I went to bed. Okay. So those kind of dreams. Anybody have weird dreams like that? Or am I the only? Yeah. Okay. Who have you shot? It's just kind of fun. All right. Dreams like that. But then a few times in my life, I think I've had a dream that was from the Lord. This is one of them. Uh, Nine years ago-ish. In my dream, I was standing in the atrium of the church. Those of you that know the atrium well, right where the coffee cart is, our beloved coffee cart place. Fireplace would have been over to my left. It was on a Sunday morning, I'm assuming, and it was busy. Not unlike what's happening around here now. A lot of people Dozens and dozens of people serving and getting coffee and then teachers taking kids, to all, right? All that was happening. It was full. And I don't know in the dream whether I must have looked tired or busy or something, but someone came up next to me and they said this to me. They said, why are you doing all this? And I, without missing a beat, said to them, because people are going to hell. And the reality of why do we do a bunch of the things that we do is because we don't want people, we want people to be forgiven by Jesus, experience the life God has, and go to heaven. So I said, because people are going to hell. Well, then in the moment, in the dream, it was like the reality of people being separated from God, the reality of eternity 
came on me in this dream and I fell to the ground in the atrium and I was just huddled on the ground. I began to weep like an ugly cry. I was just weeping and weeping over the reality of people that don't know Jesus. Now the emotion of that in the dream actually woke me up in real life and I was laying in my bed in the fetal position just crying and sobbing over this reality. I had that experience virtually the same uh, within a 10-day period, two times, two times, where I just woke up sobbing over the reality of people who don't yet know Jesus. That experience affected my soul, if that makes sense. Like it was just affected me. It actually affected some of the things that we ended up doing as a church in that season. Have you ever had anything that just affected your soul? And not all of them are that dramatic. I have a new Facebook friend. I knew him years ago. And uh, back when we were close friends, like we both were trying to follow God as best we could. And, and now as best I can tell from Facebook, something happened. He's like, you know, not. And, and in a little way, like that's affected my soul. For him, I'm like, oh, come on, man. You have anything affect your soul? Back to the text. Simeon says to Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. This word for soul means the breath of life. It's the seat of affections and will. Now before we bounce to where we're headed with this point, can we all agree that Mary is deeply involved in the will of God? <laughs> I think that qualifies. She's invested in the plan of God. Now, where we're going to head here is this. We're going to finish in the last couple minutes with this. You can write it in. When we get deeply involved with God, he gets deeply involved in us. And I'm here talking about gets involved deeply in our heart and soul and emotions. We're going to feel things, care about things, because we're in the middle of God's will. He's going to open up the deep parts of our emotions to care about things. Another way to put it is this. A serious walk with God is not a shallow experience. By the way, it's not all bad. I would submit to you that Mary, deeply involved in what God was doing, had perhaps some of the most joy-filled moments a human being had ever had while walking the earth. Because she got to be with the Savior of the world as he grew up. Can you remember how many times would she have had this deep pleasure of watching Jesus grow up? Like when the neighbor ladies were all talking about their kids and they will say, then they would say, well, how's Jesus doing? And she would say, still perfect. <laughs> how much, does that make sense? Like, yeah, no problem at all. Yeah, this is, 
So how many times would she, I just think she would, not knowing exactly how it would all play out, but know that, that her child was destined to be the saved, all that kind of stuff, how much incredible joy she would have felt so many times. Here's a thought I'd never thought of before. You might think of, think of this. Mary got to live for 30 years with the physical presence of God. She got to wake up with him. Does that make, that's, no one had been able to do that since before the fall of man when Adam and Eve sinned, where they would like walk with God in the garden. No one had that much God contact. Mary had that kind of joy in her life. And at the same time, she's also going to not just have the joy of the Lord in her soul, she's also going to be pierced to the heart when she's going to watch her son die. How deep is that going to be? I don't think I shared this earlier, but like when he's getting beaten on the cross, uh, forgive me if I already shared this, but it was another new thought. What's it like if you watch your son die and he's on the cross and he's already dead? And then the soldiers come up and shove a sword in his side. Did I already say this in this? What is it? Like as a mom, like don't you just want to go leave him alone? Just would have been so much pain. So there would have been incredible moments of joy. Incredibly challenging moments, moments, emotional moments of pain. So here's the wrap-up question for us. Then just a couple things after that. Here it is. Am I involved enough with God to feel anything? And my encouragement to us is get involved enough with God that he brings life to your soul. He opens up your soul. Our world, our culture can sometimes, it closes us up. If you've lived long enough to figure it out, because somebody will do something mean to you or you'll experience a tragedy, we need to be so deeply involved with God that our, our soul, our deeper emotions stay alive and don't get calloused. And, we, it's, and, and it keeps us from becoming hard-hearted. So we're not feeling anything. Okay. To recap, Simeon told Mary, not everyone will like your son. And your life will include some deep emotions. Why don't you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly